If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe, alongside a very agitated ornery. Jake Martin from the Washita Citizen this morning. I'm flat out grumpy. Uh-oh. I had no power last night. Ooh, that's rough. Lost what do you need power for? Everything. Everything. Well, that phone's attached to you, Millennial. I'm sure you were uh, keeping close tabs on LSU it does and have a uh, battery. versus Arkansas. It does have a battery, you know. <laughs> that battery runs out quick, my friend. Uh, I was a little worried then about your alarm clock this morning. I was worried about that. <laughs> But so what again, do you got, uh, 6 7% on the I wouldn't have been too – no, I mean, I plugged it up during the night, and, of course, it charged when it came back oh, okay. on. But, uh, oh, you're talking about annoying. You play board games? Um, Pass the time? I I worked out. I, uh, I tried to clean a little bit. It was not a fun night. Mm. Let's just say that. Uh, plenty to discuss over the next two hours besides Jake's electricity problems. You can hit us up at 888-993-7762. It's called the Stuart Shelby – Text slash hotline. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. A number of headlines on this morning. Some of them are, are quite frankly, comical. Some are comical. Some are agitating. And some are just kind of shocking, as Russell put it on the text line. His hogs (laughs) squeak out in extra innings after he talked so much much trash. Yeah, Yeah, talked so much trash yesterday. Only to find All right, SEC lover, you mentioned it yesterday that you don't put a lot of stock in these midweek games that anything can happen, and I agree with that. Basically, anything can happen. But you would think if you're the fifth-ranked team in the country that you take care of business and you handle ULM. Well, the Warhawks put up a a major fight last night, came so close to pulling a huge upset. They score four runs in the the ninth inning to send this thing to extra innings. They take the lead in the tenth, but ultimately – Little things in baseball, like perhaps touching a bag or turning a double play, they cannot convert, and ultimately the Razorbacks win in extra innings. Yeah, throwing error as well. Yeah, Uh, so what a thrilling game, first of all, to come back and tie it in the ninth on a Peyton Lacoste three-run homer uh, that that helped. I mean, what a game. But, yeah, like you said, it was the small things that got ULM in extra innings. Um, but yeah, I, you kind of contradicted yourself there because you said anything can happen in midweek, but then you said, well, you expect a ranked team to, Yeah, but your midweek pitchers should still be better than a, uh, a smaller school's midweek pitchers. Correct. And you're pretty much still going with a majority of your starting lineup, uh, at the plate. Correct. Yeah. But like you said, anything can happen. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. Do you really think ULL is a better baseball team than LSU? Well, no, the record, by the way. We, we should probably read that email you got uh, later on in the show. But, yes, listen, U- ULL swept LSU. I think we both agree that LSU is a better baseball team this year. ULL struggled. Mm-hmm. That's just one point of many I can make. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, look at what uh, you know, Coach Burroughs brought up about Oregon losing, and I know that was a weekend series, but they they dropped two against two like Utah or somebody like that. Yeah. Anyway, just saying, baseball is a funny game, and ULM uh, made it very entertaining, but came up just short, and they. You know, Arkansas gets another chance at them today. Yeah, Russell says a win is a win. Let's check out today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today, the first pitch, I think, slated to uh, at 3 o'clock, ULM versus Arkansas. Last night wasn't exactly ideal conditions up there. It was a little chilly for Nick White in the booth and, of course, more importantly, the Hawks and the Razorbacks on the field. Uh, LSU did play their game against Nichols State. There was nothing crazy about this game. They take care of business versus your Colonels, ten to one. My Colonels couldn't pull it off. That's okay. Uh, Zach Watson did homer in that game, and uh, AJ Labus threw pretty well. So that's what I'm told. I wasn't able to listen, <laughs> watch, or anything. I'm very grumpy this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, Jake Slaughter uh, did get the start. The former uh, OCS and Aaron's ace, and he was uh, one for five at the plate, I believe. He did have one RBI in the game. Uh, we talked to Lane Bros yesterday on the show, and he kind of hinted at it, that they were going to make different arrangements to postpone their game versus Grambling, and that is exactly what took place yesterday. That game was postponed early on. He looked at the forecast. He was smart enough to figure out oh. this probably is not going to work out. Yeah, I feel like you're trying to throw some shade on some uh, local coaches there. But, uh, yeah, the, the weather, as you know, was not ideal yesterday to play baseball or softball in the area. Thus, you had a lot of postponements. Mm. Uh, and now uh, Louisiana Tech returns back to the field, though, tonight. Big matchup versus Little Rock, especially considering you look at the Trojans knocked them off earlier this year. And also uh, Little Rock's RPI at, what, uh, 41 compared to Louisiana Tech. What were they, around uh, 58, 58? I think so, yeah. Uh, so you got that game tonight in the college ranks. All right, you ready to get to some of the more obscure headlines on this uh, Wednesday morning? And I think the one we have to start with for the NFL, and this isn't that obscure, it does raise questions about the character and what kind of presence Brandon Cooks is in the locker room for what the third time in three years he will have a new NFL franchise. Yeah, for those who don't know, Brandon Cooks being shipped off to the Los Angeles Rams for a first-round pick, I believe um, – the Patriots are sending a sixth round as well and receiving a fourth round or vice versa. But uh, this, I don't know if this has to do with locker room issues or if it has to do with contract mm. issues. Because One year left on his deal. He's getting paid, what, yeah. about $8 million this year. About $8 million this year. And, of course, you know he wants more money uh, when they restructure a new deal. And they couldn't seem to come to terms on that. And I feel like that's probably more of the reason why he's being shipped off to to the Rams, and the Rams will gladly take him after losing Sammy Watkins. They need a vertical threat, and that's what Brandon Cooks can give them. I guess this uh, takes the Rams off the table for pulling off a trade with the Giants, yeah. though, and now with Odell Beckham. Yep, sure does. It takes one uh, one suitor out of the uh, OB, OBJ news. Mm. Uh, also in the NFL, and this is a pretty significant story yesterday. It was certainly a storyline that a lot of people across the country were jumping on board. Uh, the report, of course, coming from K, no, from W-E-E-I, I want to make sure I get their call letters right, in Boston. So them being very responsible journalists, uh, they tweeted out a story a couple days ago about the fact that uh, the Patriots were looking to trade Gronk and he would be traded in the next couple of weeks. So obviously, one organization, one news media organization puts this out there and everybody else doesn't want to get beat on this story. 
And then, of course, it escalates and it snowballs from there. Well, it comes back where it wasn't even true to start with. We're basically either a host of this show, the Kirk and Callahan show, or one of their producers basically tweets this out because they thought it would be funny. It's so irresponsible, and it's it's not funny to begin with. Yeah. Like that's it. it, it comes when I first heard the story. I was thinking, okay, maybe they did something like what you and I do, where we take something uh, speculative and we make it known that hey. Uh, what if this happened, and then we talk about it, and maybe somebody misheard or, or, or ran with it and shouldn't have, but to come out afterward and say, no, we put that out there because we thought it was funny, dude, come on. Are we journalists anymore, mm. or are we just playing pretend here? Uh, they're talk show hosts. <laughs> Is that not journalists? Any- okay, well, that's sad then because you have a lot of influence and you reach a lot of people. Hmm. I don't. I wonder how this is going to work out for W E E I in Boston, though, when they actually may perhaps do break a, a story or have a lead on another story in the future. Who in their right mind would believe them? No, I wouldn't believe anything they said after that. That that makes me so mad. And and I might as well get to the other thing. The other reason why I'm grumpy. One other thing from this too, but it also shows also how lazy other journalists are, because yeah. quite frankly, they ran with this story, and a lot of them didn't even really attribute it to. W-E-E-I in Boston just said, oh, yeah, Gronk's on the trade blocks. We're just taking it as truth. Yeah, don't don't check with your own sources. Just yeah. run with it. Yeah, That's kind of where we're at. But uh, Mike Florio is really upset. Uh, the NBC sports reporter, uh, the producer actually called him and said that the tweet was a joke. And Florio now is just uh, furious, and, and rightfully so, because I'm sure he ran with it also. So uh, there you go. Yeah, um, so what bothered me yesterday is when I saw a story from USA Today about DiVincenzo. Uh-huh. Um, they ran a story about... Oh, look at Jake coming out of the gates, getting his name right. Yeah, well, that's how I'm, I'm, a little, I'm not playing anymore. I'm <laughs> a little serious here. Because this, this upset me, upsets me because I can relate to okay. this. Um, so what happened? So... This after he went after they win the championship, he gets MVP. They, they, uh, I'm trying to get this guy's name right. Josh Peter from USA Today Sports writes a story about a tweet from August 2011. DiVincenzo would have been 14 years old. Mm. He tweeted out a lyric where he says, "I'm balling on these blank like Jalen Rose," mm. which is a very popular lyric, by the way. Um, so here's where I'm. <sighs> This upsets me because why you're pointing this out, this was a deleted tweet, why you're pointing this out now irritates me because when I was 14, like, okay, I grew up in Vidalia. I went to a public school. I grew up with black kids, right? Black, white didn't matter. So in that bubble, in that small town of Vidalia, I said all kind of things because they were my friends. Mm -hmm. And it was in, in terms of endearment. And, like, it wasn't until I left that small bubble when I went to college where I, where I learned, oh, I can't say those same things. Like, you have to you have to leave that small bubble. Where, he's from, what, Delaware? Is that right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he lives in a small town, knows, you know, he, he might, he plays basketball. You know, we know more black kids play basketball, so I'm sure he has black friends and is influenced with, you know, rap and all these other things, just like I was. And you know, you say these things when you're 14 because you, you're, you're stupid enough to. I mean, I know there's some people who are stupid enough 
early later on in life, you know, that still post stuff to social media that they shouldn't. But I mean, this is far stretching because you're painting him in a racist light, whether you 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 like it or not. You're painting him in a racist light, whether you mean to or not, and you just can't take one little tweet that was deleted and come to a conclusion either way. Maybe he is racist. I don't know, but like I can't. I can't say he's racist or he's not racist just from this one tweet because I know how stupid I was when I was 14, and I didn't understand the the weight of that word, mm. truly understand the weight of that word until I left my small bubble of Vidalia and said, oh, I shouldn't say that, you know, that, that I should just retire that word because although I mean it endearing, other, other people don't know that. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? That just irritates the crap out of me. Like, why write this story? Uh, DiVincenzo uh, has backed off, and now he has deleted his Twitter account. Yeah, but come on. The kid was 14, hmm. and we just don't know. Like, there's no context around that. Hmm. Get the Crisco ready. They have a parade scheduled for Thursday to celebrate Villanova's championship there in Philadelphia. Now I want to get to the best story of the day. Yeah, let's let's lighten the mood. Dude, I love this story. So much. Who, I don't even believe you could create this in Hollywood, a storyline like this. When you take two of the biggest megastars in the sports <laughs> yes. world and then you having each other, you having them co- comment about each other uh, is fantastic. LeBron versus Saban. Put it in the biggest marquee you can find. That is awesome. The backstory so on this is, and we mentioned it yesterday, leading into this, but who in their right mind would have actually thought that Saban and LeBron then would go on record and take a few shots at each other? Yeah, so LeBron has a show called Uninterrupted where they sit in the barbershop and they talk about certain things, sometimes important oh. issues. <laughs> what? Really a fascinating concept. Well, yeah. Dates back to when. Right. Yeah. Well, Very original. So Alabama <clears throat> does something called Shot Talk. Is that what yeah. it is? Shot talk, where they kind of do something similarly. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about yesterday how LeBron sent a letter uh, to Alabama, basically saying that the copyright infringement. LeBron, LeBron's lawyers impeached it. He wasn't penning this. Well, okay, yeah, <laughs> right. But I told you yesterday. I said I think this is more of his people. I doubt he cares. Yeah. We found out today yeah. he does care. Yeah. Or yesterday, I should say. He, he does care because they asked him about it, and he took a couple shots. So all the questions that Nick Saban has been asked at a press conference during his uh, career, uh, this was had to be one of the most unusual. Yes. And as sick Nick Saban typically does in his press conference, he handled it not so well, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way. Okay, so because you can't see it, I want you to know when they're asking him this question, you can see those fingers start tapping the desk. Like, you know he's getting agitated. The Coca-Cola bottle up there is it's starting it's to shake. <laughs> starting to shake. And then, by the way, when he finishes saying what he says, he, he looks like he wants to say thank you to, to the reporters, but he doesn't, and he just walks off. So here's Nick Saban being asked about LeBron's letter. I just kind of wanted to get your reaction the other day. Uh report that LeBron James sent a letter ref- referring to the Shop Talk series. Did you have a reaction to it? What's your thought? No, I don't, I don't have a reaction to it. I think LeBron James is a great player. Um, there's been at least 20 barbershop type things I've seen on TV. I didn't know anybody owned that. I didn't even know he had one. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, anybody could be offended by something that we were just having fun with and uh, I enjoyed it and um, we're going to continue to do it. In the walk-off. He only hit the podium twice there, I believe. Yeah. 
Oh, I love it so, so much. So he's drawing the line in the sand. Mm-hmm. Like, come at me, LeBron. <laughs> so, yeah. people ask LeBron about it. What do you think of Nick Saban's comments? Yeah. And this is what he had to say. Your response to his response. Um, I mean, I think uh, you guys know Nick Saban more than I do. Um, from a media perspective, I'm not saying you personally. From a media perspective, you guys know Nick Saban more than I do, so that's exactly what I would think he would say. Um, but I built Uninterrupted for a reason, for, for us athletes to have a platform to be able to speak about, you know, whatever we want to talk about. And um, uh, I respect him as a coach, but I'll be damned if I allow someone to uh, you know, use our platform or try to, you know, do the same thing we we're doing and you know just think it's okay so the lawyers will figure it out right you seem to catch uh i love it i mean of all weeks wrestlemania week yeah, to have exactly. nick saban and lebron feuding it's yeah. perfect who won that little uh, battle there oh saban he had yeah. the walk off <laughs> uh lebron came out strong there he did at the end, he did he did yeah. We'll let the lawyers figure it out. Uh, a couple other news and notes, and this should not be a, a shocker. You put a national championship game and a blowout game at that, and you put it on cable, and guess what happens? Not good ratings, I'm assuming? Uh, you have horrible ratings. <laughs> oh, horrible. <laughs> Michigan Villanova, horrible ratings. Historically bad? Uh, I believe so. Some of the worst ever, if not the worst ever. Man. They did have the best ratings of the night on Monday. Take any solace in that, but yeah. no. You know, championship games, you're supposed to be getting those big-time ratings. Yeah. You, do you attribute that to TBS, or do you attribute that to the two teams who made the finals? Uh, a little bit of both, but I, as a CBS kind of guy, <laughs> I would say it's all because they put it on cable. I'll say this, too. You know, Villanova. They were down 14% from the last time the championship game was on TBS, TNT, and True TV. Well, the second half wasn't close, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, Villanova – while they have become – they've kind of formed this recent dynasty. They're starting to build on that. They're not Duke. They're not Kansas. They're not going to grab the national attention. I don't think they have the same – I don't think they carry the same name value is what I'm trying to say. And then Michigan, while they were a very good team, I think more people would have tuned in to see the underdog, Will Chicago. A new low all-time for a championship game. Woo. And then, uh, of course, Clay Travis will pile in on, on this. He's all excited about this. And I was raving about Get Up on ESPN. I thought maybe it'll have a nice shelf life. <laughs> and then the miss. ratings come out after the first day, and uh, they basically only had 283,000 viewers. Mm. That Just to put that into perspective, when they were doing just sports centers last year at the same time, which is a very big week, uh-huh. uh, that's 12% down from just last year's shows at the same time. So they spent all that money on these salaries and, of course, the promotion and, of course, the set and the location. And then they have just horrible ratings out of the starting blocks. Yeah, so this is uh, Clay Travis's Uh, day. Dream. Yeah, this is his his dream. But uh, I'll say what we all said. You broke up Mike and Mike for this? Uh, 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. This All right, a couple texts here real quick. Richie says, uh, LeBron better find new lawyers if he wants to win that case. Any judge would laugh at his argument as it is. Coach Mack says, and the tip-off was after 9 o'clock Eastern, referencing, of course, the national championship game and the low ratings. Great point. 
Never understood that. 920 Eastern, that thing tipped off. A guy that is always guaranteed to bring in big ratings. Jared Ball, Rustin's head coach, joins us on the Stuart Shelby hotline. What up, coach? How you doing this morning, bud? Uh, doing pretty good. How about you? Good. It's been a while since we've had you on the show, and we got you on this morning because a pretty cool thing that you have organized over the course of the last month. Uh, please explain in terms of getting all the coaches or a majority of them together in Northeast Louisiana for a couple of events here in April. Well, uh, you know, me and several other coaches uh, had, had talked over the past several months about, uh, you know, an issue that we have here uh, just because of our location is, is there's not many professional development uh, opportunities for coaches to go listen to uh coaches talk and be able to talk football with college guys or other high school coaches. Uh, so we wanted to try to put together something uh, where we could do that in a central location where you didn't have to, uh, where you didn't have to try to travel, you know, and spend the night. And it was something that you could do during the week and, and go talk football and then get back to the house and sleep in your own bed. Now, this is certainly something they have, I, I believe, in South Louisiana, and then your time over in East Texas, I'm sure you were a part of it. Is that kind of where the uh, the ideas originated from? Yes, it is. You know, whenever I was over in uh, uh, Longview and, and Gladewater over in East Texas, uh, we organized a deal. Uh, John King, the head coach there at Longview, was kind of the leader of that, uh, organizing something similar, and it's taken off uh, – they do all sorts of things over there. Uh, one thing we just wanted to start with was uh, trying to hold the clinics on Wednesdays in April and get some uh, quality coaches to come in and, and speak and have an opportunity to talk talk ball. And uh, we'll see what it grows into. I think it's a good opportunity to uh, kind of bring all the coaches in North Louisiana together and uh, you know see what issues that we have with things going on and maybe – uh, be able to voice our opinion a little bit more uh, throughout the state. Coach Ball, what has been the reaction so far and the response? And then second of all, is this just for uh, head coaches or assistant coaches, high school, junior, junior high, or is it all, all everybody? Uh, it's for football coaches. Uh, th that's, that's where we're starting at, and it's any, uh, any coaches, junior high through high school. Uh, you know, there is a small fee that we're charging uh, the schools, but uh, it's open to every coach on their staff, junior high through high school, because uh, we do have to cover some costs that we that we have. We do have some speakers that uh, may require, you know, a hotel to stay in or something if they're traveling a long way, and then we're going to feed all of them uh, at the end of it. So I think it's going to be a really good deal for, for coaches, period. Uh, so uh, I hope these guys take advantage of it. The, uh, uh, the initial – uh, response has been very good, uh, uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to it uh, tonight. Uh, Coach Ball, of course, it uh, goes through April. You said uh, every Wednesday. Uh, can you tell us or reveal some of the speakers or some of the coaches that you have lined up? Well, we'll start uh, tonight uh, offensively. Uh, Matt Kubik from uh, ULM will be here, and uh, he'll – He'll have a, a session and then a breakout session where if coaches want to go in and really get on the marker board and talk. Uh, Lark Bear from uh, McNeese will be here to talk defensively, uh, uh, doing the same thing. Uh, Coach McCarty from Neville is going to uh, have an open forum discussion, which is something a little bit different than uh, what normally goes on at clinics. 
Uh, it was something that he kind of came up with that wanted to just discuss any issues uh, that any coaches are having, you know, with high school kids nowadays, like the social media and and those kinds of things. So he's going to kind of lead that discussion. And then uh, Cade Carnett, the uh, strength and conditioning coach from Longview High School in Texas, will be here to uh, go through some things in the weight room. So we've got a wide variety of uh, uh, topics and discussion things that we'll we'll have uh, starting tonight and. We have, uh, you know, a good lineup uh, every Wednesday here on out. And, uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good for football in North Louisiana. Coach, and, of course, we'd be remiss not to ask you uh, kind of a blow for your team, your coaching staff, to lose Andy Robinson to St. Frederick, your offensive coordinator for one season. Have you gone about the process or named someone yet to replace Coach Robinson? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I've kind of put some feelers out, uh, and I've gotten some response from uh, some guys and gotten some emails and phone calls and that kind of thing. And to be quite honest with you, I hadn't had a whole lot of time dealing with this. And uh, You know, Andy's gone, so that does, you know, throw a lot of stuff that he was taking care of back on my plate. You know, we're all very proud for him. He's deserving of, of that opportunity. Hated to see him leave, but uh, we'll cheer him on here from Ruston and uh, uh, I'm not sure what the timeline will be on me uh, filling his spot I, I stay heavily involved in the offense anyway so uh, we'll just see how that goes I just want to make sure that I find the right guy Coach as always we appreciate the time and a great idea and uh, congratulations on organizing the North Louisiana Football Coaches Association Football Clinics appreciate the time coach Yes sir I appreciate you Jerry Ball, Rustin's head coach. Yeah, I really do like that idea. Yeah. Open forum sounds interesting too. All those coaches in the same room just talking talking about issues that they're dealing with. Would love to be a fly on the wall. 888-993-7762. Let's take a timeout coming up after the break. Dr. Saul Graves joins us on the morning drive. Welcome back to the show. Time to get a little smarter with our doctor's segment. Dr. Saul Graves joins us on the Stuart Shelby hotline. What up? How you doing, doctor? Hey, good morning, guys. I shouldn't be that informal with you. Should <laughs> I I say, like, I'm talking to a doctor, and I say, what up? How goes it? How's <laughs> it hanging? <laughs> I can do that with Sean <laughs> and Dr. Jeff Kuntz. Hey, yeah, how you doing? Good. It's, it's, hey, man, it's, it's Master's Week. Uh, have you ever been over to Augusta and got an opportunity to, to take part in that or at least to have a, a front-row seat to it? You know, I, I never have, and, and that's something that I would love love to do, and, and Certainly on my list of things to try to to try to do it, 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 at least once. Uh, um, I've, you know, everyone that I've talked to that's been there just say it's incredible. And um, you know, the the I guess you, you know the when you watch it on TV in high definition, it's it's amazing how beautiful it is. But the, but the people who've been there say it's even more breathtaking when you're there. And, and um, anyway, so yeah, that's something I definitely want to do. We look at Tiger Woods, and of course, that is going to be the major talking point this week as the comeback continues. And of course, the four back surgeries in three years. Can you put that into perspective? What he's trying to attempt to come back and to be, you know, one of the world's best golfers after all the injuries and all the issues that he's had in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, I think it's it's you know it's pretty incredible in, in, in my opinion because that's a you know, having a spine fusion is a big thing and and. Uh, which I think is the reason why they elected on the you know after the first surgery, which is which is a discectomy, a microdiscectomy, 
why they elected to do some minimal things on the next two surgery, which was a, the one was another discectomy, and then and then the third. I'm not sure exactly what they did with that one, but uh, that was also you know something that was sort of a minimally invasive thing. But unfortunately, he just continued to struggle with with problems and and pain and and you know just couldn't play. I mean, we all saw it. We all um, you know felt sorry for him the way the way his swing looked, the pain he was in, and. and um, and then to, to finally undergo a back fusion, which is which is a big thing, and, and um, uh, but to come back and play the way that he's played the last month, in my opinion, and, and it's really just not even been a year since he's had it done. That's also incredible. But to play at the level that he's playing at, um, and with the confidence he has in his swing, uh, it's obvious that that uh, the surgery was extremely successful because it because he doesn't seem to be in any pain. Uh, his his swing speed, his power, all those things. Are, are as good as they've been. And uh, well, it's just great to see and exciting, I think, for golf to have him back uh, and playing again. And, Saul, so we've heard the stories about him basically not able to even get out of bed and then, of course, play with his children to see him where he is now. Uh, you talk about these back fusions. I mean, what is typically the rehab process for them? Yeah, well, really, it's all a matter of, of making sure that the fusion ha- has taken or that there's, there's a solid bony fusion between the two bones and his the level that he had done i believe was l5s1 so it's the lower part of your lumbar spine it's actually the best place to have a fusion because there's not as much motion at that spot in your back and and so um i think that gave him a better chance to come back uh, and play and and one other thing that i think that was real advantageous is the fact that they chose the, the method that they did instead of going through the back um, they actually went through the front, through his abdominal, abdominal area, and, and so that, that sort of preserved those muscles in the back of the spine, and, and, and that, you know, that helps going forward, I think, for him. And, and so um, it's obvious that, he, that the fusion took, it's solid, and, um, and so really, you know, once that happened, then there's really not a lot of um, restrictions. You know, he can pretty much do what he can tolerate uh, at this point. You always worry about a fusion and – the, the level above the fusion because when, when one segment is fused, it's going to put increased stress on the segment above. In this case, if it was done at L5-S1, then that's going to be at L4-5. And so there are risks that later on in life that, you know, that he could have to have something done at that level because the amount of stress it puts on, puts on it. But certainly in the short term, he looks as good as anybody, and, and you can't even tell that he ever had a back surgery by the way he's playing. Dr. Saul Graves joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. If you have a question or a comment for him, you can hit us up at 888-993-7762. LSU's, uh, of course, uh, Josh Smith still out with a stress fracture in his back. You told us back in February when this was revealed that this could actually be a long process for him. What makes it so difficult to return from an injury like this? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, just like, in, for instance, with, with Tiger Woods, I mean, any time that your back is affected uh, in, a, in a sport, no matter what sport it is, it, it causes a tremendous amount of pain and, and, and dysfunction and, and disability. And, and, and in his case, it was a stress fracture in the lower part of his back. I'm not sure exactly what level it was. And actually, I take that back. They, don't, they didn't refer it to it as a stress fracture. They call it a stress reaction, um, which in many cases I think is difficult to, to determine when you just look at an MRI, a stress, some stress fractures you can actually see on a regular X-ray, but there are many that don't show up until you until you have an MRI image. 
in his case, it, it must have been that the image on the MRI was just not as as um, as severe as what you normally see with a stress fracture. However, as I mentioned before, I was a little skeptical that the, the timeline they put on him initially, which I think was four to six weeks, was going to be difficult to come back from. And, and I think I mentioned that in many cases with a stress fracture, it can be three months. And, and the, the bottom line is, is, is the back has to heal. The bone has to heal completely. And if you go back too soon before it's healed, uh, you put stress on it again, and, and, you, and it can recur or, or can just uh, prolong the, the recovery process. And, and you take something that might get better in three months, and now it's six months, uh, even longer, if you continue to not allow it to heal completely. Now, the encouraging thing from him is, is that I've heard or I've read that he is now back. You know, I think he's been throwing a ball, maybe taking some light swings. Uh, and, and seems to be pain-free. I've also heard that he's going to travel with him this weekend to Texas A&M, uh, maybe just to continue his workouts. I don't think the plan is to try to play him this week. But he's, you know, he's right at that six-week mark. So, um, you know, if he's feeling good, I'm sure they're going to progress him and the hope being that he can get back to playing in the next week or two. Uh, last month was Athletic Trainers Month. I thought it's always nice when they're recognized because a lot of times they're unsung heroes on college campuses and, of course, a few high school campuses across northeast Louisiana. As a doctor, tell us a little bit about the benefits of how important it is to have an athletic trainer on staff or on campus at these area high schools. Uh, I think it's uh, – I don't think you can really measure it or quantify how beneficial it is. I mean, it's, um, of course, in colleges, you know, they've always had athletic trainers there. And, uh, you know, my relationship with the with the trainer, with J.D. Donovan and, and the others that have been trainers, Phil Shaw uh, uh, is one that, that was there. Uh, and so uh, at ULM and, and, and there have been, you know, it's such a great relationship that, that I have with them and, and other doctors at our clinic that work with them. Um, it's great because they're there when, when things happen. Uh, you know, when an athlete gets injured uh, in practice, uh, in the weight room, wherever it might be, there's a trainer there that can, that can take care of them immediately. Uh, in addition, after an injury occurs, the, the trainer uh, is there to, uh, to take care of them you know, in their recovery process, and they can start that recovery process right away. They can be there with them every day, and it, it's incredible uh, how much um, faster – uh, injuries can heal when they're given attention every day, and so I think that it, it's it's such an important thing. And, and of course, the the, the Washtenaw Parish schools that have committed to uh, to having a trainer at their school, I think, has been so beneficial. And, and um, the guys that are at their respective schools here in in, in the Monroe area uh, just done an incredible job. And so, it, it, you know, take for example, if I see a kid from uh, from a school like Sterlington, where uh, Paul Vaughn is a trainer there. Uh, you know, they, they come to see me, you know, I, I assess their injury. We, we, we figure out what's going on with them. And then it's, and I can pick up the phone and I can call Paul uh, and I can tell him exactly uh, what's wrong with the kid and what, what I expect, you know, going forward with his rehab. And, and, and he in turn can, can treat him every day. And it's, it, and it's, um, you know, it helps get them back on the field quicker. Uh, and, and then not to mention the coaches and, and, and what they benefit by having a trainer out there because, no coach is, is, is trained in taking care of injuries, and it's just one less stress that they have to deal with when they've got a trainer there uh, that, can, that can take care of, a, of an athlete that's been injured, and especially when you have a, you know, a disastrous situation where you know, you know, a catastrophic-type injury of the cervical spine or, or the lumbar spine or a head injury, you know, having a trainer there to take care of the kid is just 
uh, invaluable in my opinion and, and certainly wish that it could become a thing where, where all schools in the state were required to have trainers, which, which it does happen in, in certain states. I know Texas, for one, uh, each, each, uh, at least the public schools have a trainer uh, at their uh, at their school. So maybe it's something that will happen in the future, but um, uh, certainly you know, can't say enough good things about uh, trainers. All right, Dr. Salgraves, two hard-hitting questions to end this segment. Uh, first of all, being an avid golfer, what's your prediction for the Masters? Who wins this thing this weekend? You know, I think I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. I think it's, uh, you know, he's got actually a chance to become, I think, the number one player in the world, uh, maybe with the win. And uh, he's been playing well. He won a couple, uh, you know, won a big major last year and, and has several tournaments. And so I think that's who, I, who I'm going to go with this year. Second of all, we're going to adopt a team, Major League Baseball team, for this season, and we're going to give a daily report on them. The voting continues till Friday. What MLB franchise should we jump on the bandwagon with, Saul? Well, of course, I, me being an LSU guy, I think uh, I think the obvious choice for me would be would be the Astros with Bregman playing third base there. I think right. that's the um, that would be my choice. Of course, you got an LSU guy and Will Harris that's in the bullpen, and and uh, so. Uh, that that would be who I, I would I would vote for. If you have a medical question or just want to talk uh, some sports with Saul Graves, where can they find you, bud? Well, we've got um, uh, our three locations: our main office on Louisville and Monroe, uh, satellite locations in West Monroe, and also in Ruston. And um, we've got a daily injury clinic that starts at about ten o'clock uh, each morning, and after hours clinics that uh, begin at five in the afternoon on weekdays and, and at eight in the morning on Saturdays. And those those two, uh, the injury clinic and the after hour clinic, after hours clinics, are both at the Louisville office location. So, as always, appreciate the time, bud. See you soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Dr. Saul Graves joining us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. AJ weighs in, says Astros, baby. Yeah, Astros. Let me turn your mic on. Yeah, that might help. <laughs> Astro- <laughs> Astros are leading. Um, We've gotten 43 votes for the Astros. I just counted Dr. Saul's in uh, with that. Uh, Cubs have 29. Braves have 27. Rangers, 25. Did that include the votes from uh, Twitter? C. Right. I did the mathematics. At Morning Drive 97.7? Yes. At Morning Drive 977. Uh, we'll get some more Astros text. So, Astros, Cubs, pretty much it's coming down to those two teams. Ooh. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, Ronnie Rance joins us next as we look forward to a big event out at Bayou to see her tomorrow night and evening with Tom David Toms. We'll get the lowdown coming up after the break. Welcome back to the show. Hit us up at 888-993-7762. We are certainly looking forward to a big week. Masters week has arrived. Of course, part three competition later today and a huge event uh, taking place out at Bayou to see her come tomorrow as it's called the evening, an evening with David Toms. He will be in town, and of course, you have an opportunity to hear from him. Uh, running the event, Ronnie Rance, the president of Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, and he joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. How are you doing this morning, Ronnie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, uh, this is a pretty cool uh, event. How did this all come about to, to get uh, David Toms in Monroe? Well, my day job is I'm the president of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation, and uh, we support, you know, the museum and the academy put on events around the state to to draw awareness, interest, and fundraise uh, to keep the doors open and the museum. And 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 this is one of those events. We David Toms was inducted last year, 2017, 
into that class of the Hall of Fame, which of course is each and every uh, the last weekend of every summer in June in Natchitoches. And uh, we did an event a year ago over at Oakbourne Country Club in Lafayette, very similar to this, and it was successful. He enjoyed doing it. And this event will actually benefit the David Thomas Foundation as well as the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, any of the proceeds will go to those causes. And so it's perfect timing, you know, right? If it's Masters mm-hmm. week, um, David's not playing this year in the Masters, but he has many times. And he'll be uh, he'll be there, kind of break down the field as well to tomorrow evening. Uh, and we'll also hear from him about his career, his stories about Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and playing on the Ryder Cup and President's Cup teams with those guys. And uh, he'll also take some questions and answers. We'll have a great meal and dinner. Uh, thanks to good folks over at Bayou DC. But uh, it, uh, that will, so tickets are available to the public. We do have individual tickets available. We do have tables available. It's not too late to attend. Doors will open at 6 o'clock. Dinner starts at 7 and the whole event will probably be over by 8.30, 9 o'clock the latest. But you're going to have Miss Louisiana is going to be there. Uh, head football coach for ULM is going uh, to be there, as well as other special guests. So uh, if you want to get tickets, all you have to do is very simple. Go to lasportshall.com. Just go to lasportshall.com. You click on events, and you can purchase tickets there. Give us a call. It'll have a phone number if you have any questions. But uh, we still have tickets, tables, uh, uh, individual tickets available. Come see us. Ronnie, I don't think you could have timed this any better because I'm sure he's going to have a story or two to tell about Tiger and especially what's happening this <laughs> week at the Masters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, uh, he's he got some great insight. This is kind of some never, be- never before, you know, heard of uh, stories and, and kind of behind the curtain and David's uh, – uh, of course, the most decorated golfer in the history of Louisiana, uh, won 13 uh, tour events and won a mass, you know, won a, a, a major rather in 2001, the PGA Championship. So he's got some unique insights, things have never before uh, heard of stories, as well as he's going to take some questions at the end. So you can kind of ask him whatever you want. You're going to be able to take a picture with him. He's really cool. He's going to bring the Wanamaker Trophy, which is that beautiful PGA Championship trophy, the big old cup. Uh, he's going to bring that along with some other uh, uh, artifacts and, and, and trophies. And, and so he's got his, I think, his Ryder Cup bag that he brings and, and some other things. But you better take a chance to touch field, take a picture with it, meet him, take a picture with him as well. Um, that's tomorrow night, Bayou de Sierra Country Club. It benefits the David Thomas Foundation and, of course, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation. And it, it really has uh, some State Farm agents uh, in over there have really helped put this on. They're the title sponsors, Old Tag Rome, Ben Tullis, Jeff Lamont, uh, Mr. Knights. I mean, they're all they're all a big part of why this is coming to Monroe tomorrow night. Uh, Ronnie, you've had the opportunity to do some pretty cool things in your career and mingle with some pretty uh, important and influential people in this state. Have you ever teed it up with uh, David Toms? Well, you know, what's interesting is each and every year the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame has its annual induction uh, golf tournament. And uh, this year is no exception. It'll be July 1st over at Oak Wing Country Club in Alexandria. And, again, you can go to com if you want to participate and buy a team or, or an individual. And so David last year played, you know, each all of our Hall of Famers. You, you know, you can you pair up a, a celebrity with a foursome. And um, last year David's team played, uh, I think it was Farm Bureau out of, uh, out of Baton Rouge bought a team and, and he played with them. They were the sponsor, and they finished second. There was a team out of Lafayette, a group of guys out of Lafayette that won the tournament. They were more happy that their team beat David Thompson's team than anything else. 
But uh, I have seen him play. He actually holds the course record at Oak Wing in Alexandria the first day it ever opened back 15, 20 years ago. He shot like a 62 or 63, something crazy like that on that course, and that's still the record. Hmm. Ronnie, you got a prediction for the Masters? I really don't. I mean, you know, I'm I'm pulling for. Uh, I just I, I love, I'm a big Dustin Johnson fan. Uh, yeah. The guy hits it a mile. Uh, he's got a redemption story. So I, I like the, Dustin Johnson. But but I'm I'm intrigued by the whole Tiger Woods thing. I mean, I never thought he would uh, really have a chance to win a major again. And and you know, I think he has a chance. I mean, whether he wins it or not. That, but the fact that we're talking about him and the fact that he's playing well and and loose and healthy and happy and you know, it just makes the sport better. It makes it it makes you interested, whether you like him or dislike him. It's it brings eyeballs to the sport, and and I'm a golf fan, so I'm pulling for him. I'd like him to be in the hunt, you know, at least be on the the you know the top ten or something. But uh, Dustin Johnson is is the guy, I guess, that I probably would be pulling for. Ronnie, part of two national championship squads at LSU uh, with the Tigers baseball program in the early 90s. We'd be missed not to ask you about LSU. We were talking a lot about midweek games. Should we take anything away from what LSU did last year in midweek games compared to this year and, of course, the two losses to the Cajuns this season? Well, you know, here's the thing is that if we want to get excited about, like last night, for example, Bryce Jordan went 4-4 four for four and, uh, and he had been slumping and you know, Zach Watson hit his fifth home run. You know, last night. I mean, if we're gonna if we're to get excited when they do well, you got to get disappointed when they don't do well. Um, it doesn't make or break your team, but I, mean, I think it just depends on the year, right? Last year was a very veteran-laden team. You had a lot of returning starters. You had expectations. They were top three, four in the country going into the season. So. The you know you, you could overcome those midweek losses because you knew hey we're good we're going to be fine on the weekend we've got guys who have been there done that we're going to be okay we'll figure it out this year seems a little different you got a lot of new faces you're trying to figure out a you know you were trying to figure out a starting rotation for a while on the mound who's going to be your main pitchers you had a lot of injuries so I think midweek games mean more this year because you're still trying to shuffle the deck play players that haven't had a lot of ABs or pitch pitchers who haven't been on the mound a lot. So I think it means more this year because of the lack of experience. Uh, Ronnie, and finally, I stumbled across this story. Of course, when you're at LSU and you, you were given the nickname Jumbo, how that all came about? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Skip Bertman, you know, was my coach and, you know, Hall of Fame coach. And naturally, uh, uh, you know, baseball. Everybody gives nicknames to everybody. It helps remember names. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's one of those sports where everybody in the team has some kind of nickname. And uh, you know, being six foot five, two hundred sixty-five pound left-handed pitcher, uh, which was I was CC Sabathia before CC Sabathia. And you know, my first day, I show up to practice. You know, the, the equipment manager asks you to fill out the forms on what size shirts and shoes and blah 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 you wear. And I put down size forty you know, pants, you know, practice pants. Well, at the time, they only had one pair of practice pants. So I go to get my, my stuff the first day of practice. They don't have the pants. So the equipment manager uh, says, hang on, let me go find out what's going on. He walks in Skip Bertman's office, and he says, hey, coach, we have a problem. And Skip says, ooh, what is it? And uh, he says, we only have one pair of practice pants in size 40. And we have this new guy, Rance, and he goes, the only other pair is yours. You know, so what are we going to do? And Skip goes, Ooh, uh, we need to order more jumbo-sized pants. All right, let me uh, 
me figure it out here. You get a mine, order some jumbo pants, and then I'll just wear sweats for a couple of days. And when they come in, we'll make the move. And so I put on, so they give me the pants. I go out on the practice field. Skip's walking around. He's meeting the 13 new faces or whatever that day. He's trying to remember names and associate numbers and names with the new people and all that. And so he walks up to me, and I'm on the ground stretching, and he says, uh, Hey, uh, Rance, uh, how's those jumbo pants working out? Everything good? They feel good? They're stretching? They move? Those jumbo pants, everything good? All right, jumbo. jumbo. So now he's associating me with jumbo. So from that time on, whenever he'd call for me or, or want to talk to me, instead of saying, hey, Rance, come here, he'd be like, hey, uh, jumbo, come here. And then jumbo, you know, it took off, and my teammates and, and fans and everybody else are jump or jumbo or whatever. This was back in the early 90s. And so uh, late 90s when I was starting my, my television company, uh, Jumbo Sports Network, I, I was looking for a name, and it, <laughs> it was natural. Let's go jumbo. And so to this day, Skip will call me jumbo or casino Ron because I worked with LaBears for a number of years. So, you know, whatever. Uh, great stories, and we look forward to hearing more stories tonight from uh, David Toms. Listeners out there want an opportunity to hear from the golfer. What do they need to do, Ronnie? Uh, tomorrow night, an evening with David Toms over at Bayou de Seer in Monroe, put on by some local State Farm agents, and and uh, it's going to be a one-of-a-kind night, the night of the Masters. So you go to lasportshall.com to get tickets. Just go to lasportshall.com, click on events. You can buy individual tickets. You can buy tables. Uh, if you have any questions, our contact info is online as well. And hope you can attend. It's for a great cause, David Thomas Foundation and the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation. Looking forward to it tomorrow night. I'll see you then, bud. All right. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Ronnie Rance from uh, the president of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Should be pretty cool out there, Jake, an opportunity to hear from David Thomas. Oh, no doubt. And, and like you, like we've been saying all week, the timing really couldn't be perfect. I'm interested in hearing those stories about Tiger Woods ahead of Tiger's big comeback. Mm. Uh, we were talking about midweek games, how important they are, perhaps how they are not that important. Well, we had a thriller last night, perhaps an instant classic in a midweek game. Perhaps. Uh, ULM does uh, fall a little short against the fifth-ranked team in the country. The Warhawks head coach, Michael Federico, will join us after the break. And then at 8.15, we love catching up with Teddy Allen as he will join us from the Masters. The Morning Drive returns after this. Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.